Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Elite Titans podcast. I am your host, the Canadian Titan, and we've got a pretty big show today, so let's just jump right into it and start recapping the Tennessee Titans absolutely dominating, complete and utter destruction of the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday, Titans 27, Kansas City Chiefs 3. Now, if you have been a frequent listener of the Elite Titans podcast, you may have known that I've thought the Kansas City Chiefs have been overrated for a very long time. I said Pat Mahomes was overrated. I also said it on Amy's Army podcast this past week that Pat Mahomes is great, but he is not God. And the Tennessee Titans humbled that man so dramatically that he had the lowest quarterback rating of his entire career on Sunday. And that just that just tickles me. It makes me so happy. I'm so ecstatic because we got to show the entire world, hey, KC ain't shit. The Titans are the real deal. And what did we have to show for it? Well, certainly not respect from the national media because all anyone seems to want to talk about this week is, well, what's wrong with Kansas City? Is their dynasty over? Is Pat Mahomes really not as good as, as we thought he was? How is KC letting Mahomes... You know what? I'm done with that shit. It's time to accept the fact that no matter what the Titans do, they're not going to get the respect that they deserve. When we win the Super Bowl in February... I'm sure all anyone's going to be talking about is the fact that we lost to the Jets. And we're just going to have to accept it. We're going to have to laugh at everybody who doesn't believe in us, just like we have been doing this entire year. But let's talk. Let's talk about that Chiefs game on Sunday. Because there's a lot that I want to talk about in the game because there was just so much good shit happening that... I feel like everybody deserves a five-minute segment about how great they were. Now, of course, I'm really lazy, and I'm not going to do that, but I'll spend a few minutes talking about some of the standouts. And the first one we have to talk about, A.J. Brown. This was the game that we have been waiting for. He had his breakout performance, the one that we have been clamoring for all season long. Now, Julio Jones on the other side only had two catches for 30-something yards, but A.J. Brown absolutely dominated for 131 yards and a touchdown. And some of the circus catches that we have come to expect from him, the circus catches that look so normal to him, we got to see on Sunday. And kudos, by the way, to Mike Vrabel for trusting his man, for trusting A.J. Brown and the fact that he caught the ball along the sideline when the terrible referee who was right there couldn't make the right call. Kudos to Mike Vrabel. But A.J. Brown still didn't look 100% and still balled out. It was, it, it was the guy that we've come to know since he came here two years ago. And if A.J. Brown is back, then we're going to be able to be successful going forward. 
Now, I know he's not 100%. I know his hamstrings or his knees are still probably bugging him. Maybe a little bit of the of the Chipotle is still in his system. But I'm not concerned. Why am I not concerned? Because, well, I'm just an elite Titans fan. So, AJ Brown's fucking great. Let's move on. Ryan Tannehill. Is this a safe space? Can we talk about QB1? Because he absolutely balled the fuck out. So many times, as an elite Titans fan, I hear, you guys are nothing without Derrick Henry. If Derrick Henry doesn't have a fantastic game, you guys lose. Because Ryan Tannehill can't do it himself. Well, Ryan Tannehill did do it himself. He absolutely gutted the Kansas City Chiefs defense. I believe he caught or he completed 77% of his passes. Sure, he had an unfortunate interception that was a fantastic play by the Chiefs defender. But Ryan Tannehill was slinging the ball all over the field. It may have been his absolute best performance as a Titan. I'm sure that could be put up for debate. Another fantastic player, Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard is back. And and honestly, he never really left. He just had one shitty season in 2020 when he was the only defender on the field outside of Malcolm Butler. God bless Malcolm Butler. The only defender on the field who who could do anything. He had to do everything. And now having a money hooker who did not play on Sunday, but having a defensive coordinator, having other defenders on the same page that he can rely on, he is able to do all of the fantastic things that earned him the contract that he signed with the Titans, that earned him all pro votes, and that earned him his status as a top safety in the league. He's currently, according to PFF, the garbage-ass rating system. I hate PFF. But according to PFF, he's the top-rated safety in the league. So maybe they do know a little bit about what they're talking about. Kevin Byard is back, and he's the leader of our secondary. And thank fuck, because with how our defense has played up to this point, not including last Sunday, we really need him. And that brings me to my favorite player on the Titans' defense, David Long. Now, I was a guest on Amy's Army podcast this past week, and I made particular mention of David Long. I called him annoying. I called him very annoying because he just happens to be everywhere. If you look to your left, there's David Long. If you look to your right, there's David Long. If you look two feet in front of your face, there's David Long. And it's been a very long time since the Tennessee Titans have had the kind of linebacker who has that sort of hustle. He is the linebacker that we had hoped Rashawn Evans would develop into. He's the linebacker that we believed Jayon Brown was going to be this year. And I'm convinced through the time that we've seen him this year that he is going to be this linebacker of the future. We have found... R. Ray Lewis, without the murder. 
So those are the guys who, who really stood out to me. But I have to give an honorable mention to Greg Mabin. Greg Mabin is a name you probably don't know. I'm an elite Titans fan, and I only really remember him for, well, starting the COVID outbreak last year. Now, that's a little bit of slander. I know he didn't start the COVID outbreak, but he was the first one to get COVID last year for the Tennessee Titans, and, well, we all remember how that went. 14 days of mayhem before a Buffalo Bill ass kicking, but he was the start of that, and I am so happy that he was able to erase that terrible legacy and write a new one. He played 100% of snaps on Sunday over Breon Borders, I might add, which was a surprise to me. But he played 100% of the snaps on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe he was targeted six times, maybe less, but he only allowed one completion and it was six yards. And heading into the game, There were a lot, a lot of casual fans who panicked and freaked out and thought, oh no, we have no Imani Hooker and no Chris Jackson. We have no Caleb Farley, no Christian Fulton. We're fucked. We have no chance. Tyree Kill is going to have 500 yards. Pat Mahomes is going to throw for 1,035 touchdowns. And the Titans are going to lose 644 to 21 because we'll have to put Derrick Henry on the sideline and throw the ball. Ryan Tannehill can't do it. Well, all of those narratives got squashed. Squashed just like Pat Mahomes got squashed at the end of the game. Now, of course, I'm not rooting for any sort of injury, but Pat Mahomes got fucked up. And since he's okay, I can tell you that, you know, it was pretty good. Good. Kansas City should have pulled him out of there by that point. No one was hurt. Everything's fine. Maybe Pat Mahomes has a little bit more respect for the Tennessee Titans pass rush. But once again, shout out to Greg Maben. Called up on Tuesday, I believe, or brought in on Tuesday and playing 100% of the snaps. Shout out to you. You fucking rule. So let's leave that Kansas City Chiefs game in the past because it doesn't matter. Because the Chiefs don't matter. We win. Fuck the Chiefs. I want to talk about trades. That's right, a trade. Something that we did in the offseason for a one Julio Jones. Could we do it again? We traded last year when Jonathan Joseph was very clearly not the answer. We traded for Desmond King and it made a difference in our secondary. The Tennessee Titans are absolutely dismantled by injuries. This is a Great time for a trade, right? Not so fast. I'm seeing a lot of people ask for ridiculous, ridiculous trades. Not thinking long term, just thinking, ooh, this is a big sexy name and I want it. Well, there's a reason you're not a general manager. It's probably your life choices up to this point. It's probably the fact that there's no way for you to have like the sort of resume necessary to be a general manager. But for the sake of argument, I'm going to say it's your shitty takes. Xavier Howard is not going to be a Tennessee Titan, nor should he be a Tennessee Titan. Yes, he is a great corner. 
He had a fantastic year last year, but he is under contract for the next three or four years, I believe, with the Miami Dolphins. And his weird selfish ass wants a new contract. What? Why would anybody want to trade for a guy who has three years on his contract and wants a new contract? Play out most of your deal like every other NFL player and then bitch and moan for a new contract. But that's not even the number one reason why we shouldn't trade for Xavier Howard. The number one reason we shouldn't trade for him, we have our corners of the future. We have Christian Fulton, who is on IR and coming back after this game, probably. We have Caleb Farley, who we just spent a first-round pick on this year. We have Elijah Molden in the slot, who is playing a lot and looking really good doing it. Where does Saving Howard fit in after this year? Sure, Caleb Farley's done for the year, and it might be nice to put him on the other side, maybe move Jack Rabbit to the slot or have him in and out or cut Jack Rabbit, who gives a shit, but where does Avian Howard fit next year? Because he doesn't fit on the Tennessee Titans. You're not kicking out Christian Fulton to pay Xavier Howard all this money because he, he he's not going to sit on the bench. Are you going to have your first round picks sit on the bench? No, you're not. So just use your fucking head sometimes and think maybe this big sexy name doesn't make any sense. When you make a trade at this point in the season, you're not trading generally for a long-term solution. You're trading to help you get throughout the rest of the season. And that's why Kyle Fuller from Denver makes a lot of sense. He's the fourth or fifth cornerback on their roster. He didn't play a single snap despite being active on Sunday. And he's only under contract for a single year. He's supremely talented, even if the Denver Broncos are not using him. Kyle Fuller makes a lot of sense. And if he wants a new contract on the end of the year, you could consider it. Maybe you let Jack Rabbit Jenkins go. You sign him to another one-year deal. Or you let him go and you reap the benefits when the compensatory picks come in because someone will sign Kyle Fuller to a good deal. That's a smart trade. I'm so miss me with all the Zavian. I oh, Zavian Howard doesn't make any sense. Somebody else said, "What about J.C. Jackson from the Patriots?" Well, the Patriots just got rid of Stephon Gilmore a few weeks ago. They're likely not moving on from J.C. Jackson, even if they think that this season is a loss, which I don't think they do. They're not moving on from their number one corner, and if they do move on from their number one corner, he's not going to cost something small. They gave him a second-year tender this offseason. It's going to cost multiple picks. And you might recall, when we traded for Julio Jones, we gave up our second-round pick. So are you moving a first for J.C. Jackson? I sure as fuck I'm not. He needs a new contract after the season? No. So no J.C. Jackson, no Xavier Howard. I saw somebody, I actually think it was Teron Davenport, say Cam Dantzler from the Vikings might be a worthwhile option. 
Cam Dantzler was somebody that the Tennessee Titans were linked to in the draft last year. That could be an option, but once again, that kind of creates the same dilemma that Xavier Howard creates. So I don't see that really being a long-term solution or really an effective stopgap solution. Just Kyle Fuller to the Titans, that's, that's all that needs to happen. Another thing that people are suggesting is that we trade for an offensive lineman. Now, I know that our offensive line has been riddled with injuries. Tyson Brelo retired. Um, Roger Saffold has his weekly injury that is he going to last the rest of the game? Is he not? I personally like that game. I think it's a lot of fun. And Ben Jones, somewhat regularly injured, but is lauded as one of the most tough SOBs on that offensive line. And of course, Taylor Lewan missed this Sunday's game against the Kansas City Chiefs with his concussion. So I could understand why you might think trading for an offensive lineman is a good idea. But let me tell you, it is not. If you were to trade for an offensive lineman who started, think about the cost, the draft capital, and think about how it shakes up our offensive line. One of the great things about our offensive line, which is finally starting to gel and and work well together, is how long they have played together. Adding in a new piece, say at left tackle, if for some reason you want a really expensive Taylor Lewan on the bench, there goes all that chemistry with Roger Saffold. Suddenly the left side of the line isn't strong. Do you do it on the right side? Do you move on from David Kessenberry, who's been our best offensive lineman, our most consistent offensive lineman throughout the entire season. David Kessenberry is ranked as one of the top five right tackles in the league. Why would you move on from him? So that doesn't make a lick of sense. Do you move on from Roger Saffold, who is consistently injured? Absolutely fucking not. And you don't move on from Ben Jones this season either. Now, do you trade for a depth piece? Maybe Dennis Kelly, you you bring him back from the Green Bay Packers. He's only costing like $1.3 million. Maybe. But what what draft capital are you really wanting to give up for him? I feel like even trading away a sixth or a seventh is a waste for a guy who's hopefully not going to see the field. Especially when we have guys on our roster, like Kendall Lamb, who can come in at any time. Like Dylan Radins, who, yes, he's playing guard, but is drafted as a tackle. Like Bobby Hart, who, who showed up on Sunday when, Taylor, or when Kendall Lamb went down. We have people on the roster, and John Robinson likes the people on his roster. The difference between this year and last year is there is not one glaring hole on the team that doesn't have its answer on the roster already. Christian Fulton is going to get healthy. Chris Jackson's going to get healthy. Corners are fine. Trading for Kyle Fuller to fill the Caleb Farley gap, that's fine. That makes sense. But everybody else, when we get healthy, we don't have those holes on the roster. I got into it with a guy today about trading for Willie Sneed 
because he might be better than what we have at wide receiver. Well, Willie Sneed was actually just released by the Las Vegas Raiders, so that just kind of goes to show how good Willie Sneed actually is. So that's that's going to do it for the trade deadline or the trade talks. Hopefully before the trade deadline next Tuesday, uh, there's some news that we can talk about. But I mean, opened up the Twitterverse to some questions. I let everybody know that I was recording. And do you have any questions that you want me to answer on the Elite Titans podcast? And I got a few. And some were terrible questions because it's Twitter. And some were good questions that I'd actually like to talk about. So let me start with at Titan Matt underscore. Matt has asked questions on more than one occasion. Hello, Matt. Shout out you. He says, yes, I'd like to know why Jeffrey Simmons is letting Landry beat him to all these sacks. Clearly not the force everyone claims he is. Hell, my handicapped grandmother could have stopped Allen on that fourth down sneak. Also, please discuss why camp legend Marcus Johnson has disappeared. Now, obviously, this is a tongue-in-cheek reference to the whole I need to see more from Jeffrey Simmons thing. But I, I, I can't really address that. It's tongue-in-cheek. It's hilarious. You're fucking hilarious, Matt. But let's talk about Marcus Johnson for a second. Marcus Johnson came back from IR. Was it last week or was it two weeks ago? But he's came back from IR and he hasn't really shown out the way that Titans fans had hoped, given all of the camp hype that he had received from media members. But there's one thing that people have to remember. We're not a pass-first team. And we're not the kind of team that says, we're going to get the ball to our wide receiver one, or we're going to get the ball to our wide receiver three. Ryan Tannehill just slings the rock to whoever's open. And yeah, more often than not, that's going to be A.J. Brown, because he's a goddamn beast. But that's also been Nick Westbrook-Akina at times. That's also been Josh Reynolds at times. And Marcus Johnson had a very crucial uh non-reception that resulted in a defensive pass interference this past Sunday. So everybody has their role. I think it's just that Titans fans, like they tend to do, may have overestimated how important the back of the roster guys would be. Look at Mason Kinsey. Mason Kinsey started or played in his first NFL game this past Sunday and so many people were so excited for what he could do and the only thing he did was allow a punt to go over his head and get downed at the three yard line but everyone hyped him up to be like the second coming of Adam Humphreys or Julio I don't know what the fuck people expected he's okay he's a practice squad guy for a reason stop hyping up these camp bodies to be more than what they are. So thanks, Matt, for that question. The next question isn't really a question. It's more of a statement, but I'll read it out because shout out to all my listeners. This one's from at Titans 12th man. He says, Kyle Fuller, Xavier Howard, for me, it's whichever is cheaper. Kyle Fuller is cheaper. Fuck Xavier Howard. The next one comes from Titan Trey 12th. A lot of people have Titans in their name. Maybe maybe my name isn't that original. But he says, I would like to know if you know of any Titans-oriented podcasts worth listening to. Well, Trey, I can think of four 
that I would love to list for you. First off, the Elite Titans podcast. How the hell are you asking questions on this show and you think that this show is not worth listening to? Actually, you're probably right. It's not worth listening to. And if you do listen to it, I really fucking appreciate you. So let's let's strike the ETP off that list and let's go with four podcasts that I actually think are worth listening to. My favorite fan podcast has to be Amy's Army Pod. And no, I'm not just saying this because I was a guest on them last week. I actually really enjoy the interaction between the two hosts. They sound like two fans of the game who really care about the Tennessee Titans and live through the ups and downs with the rest of us. That's kind of what I want to hear. I don't care if it can be a little homerish sometimes. I don't care if they can talk about how like they want to die after a Jets loss. I I just want that interaction and I want that I want to feel the same way that they feel. So Amy's Army, that's one. Number two has to be Pretty much any of the Broadway sports media podcasts, but my favorite has to be the Music City Audible, partly because it has Justin Mello, shout out fellow Canadian Justin Mello, Uh, but Justin and Justin really bring not only their knowledge of the game, but since they moved on to uh, Wednesday release dates from previously having Friday release dates, they've been having guests on to their podcast. Guests who are generally covering the opposing team, and it gets a little bit of an extra perspective um, that you don't normally get from podcasts. So number two has to be the Music City Audible. Number three for me has to be another Broadway sports media podcast. That's football and other F-words. I'm a huge fan, despite loving talking shit to Zach Lyons, I'm a huge fan of their podcast. The banter between them, yeah, it's a little over the top sometimes, and yeah, they get off track a lot of the time. I don't need to hear about Applebee's again and again and again, especially because Applebee's is not that big of a of a restaurant here in Canada. But I, I, I understand I'm not the target market. I digress. They have a fantastic podcast because... Zach's overreactions to everything. He gets so mad about the smallest shit. And Mr. Lebowski has the best voice of any podcaster ever. He's more than just his voice, but he has the best voice on a podcast. Broadway sports. I can't do it. Fucking love that podcast. And number four, this goes in no order, by the way. This is not my fourth favorite um, has to be the Locked On Titans podcast. People give Tic Tac Tyler a lot of shit for a lot of reasons. But Tyler Rowland knows his shit, and he's consistent with it five days a week, putting out content every single day. And, and not just dumbass recycle content, but actually well-thought-out content. So those are my four. Amy's Army, uh, Football and Other F-Words, Music City Audible, Locked On Titans podcast. Thank you, Titan Trey, for that question. The next question comes from uh, Joseph Salov. He's written into the show before, and he says, I'd like to know why Farley has not come back from his ACL tear. It's been over a week, and he hasn't been able to get healthy. 
being the athletic specimen, you would think he would recover faster. Also, my name is pronounced Yoseep, you fucking idiot. Love the content. Well, okay, I'm going to assume you're serious because it seems like you're serious. Typically, when you have an ACL tear, it takes more than a week to recover. Maybe if you were not an idiot, you would understand that. And I'm sorry that your parents don't know how to spell your name properly. It's clearly Joseph. So thank you for that question, Joseph. And the last question is actually my favorite question. This comes from Doug Folks at Doug Folks, F-O-L-K-S. And he says, Darrington Evans, bust or not? And I thought this was an interesting question. A lot of people have given Darrington Evans a lot of shit because he's hurt a lot. He was hurt a lot last year. I think he only played in two games or three games, and he got hurt on one of his first carries in the preseason. Pulled a hammy both times. But there's a few things you have to remember. First off, last year was a COVID year. Things were so fucking different for a lot of people. Injuries were up, and you didn't really get the same sort of training camp and pre-work that you would normally get in a season to help prepare yourself for a longer season. Him getting hurt that year is unfortunate, but I'm not too upset about it. This year, pulling a hammy on his first couple runs against Atlanta, again, also unfortunate. But in my opinion, it's too early to label him a bust. And if you remember, yes, it was preseason, but he looked really fucking good on those first few carries. He adds a different element. He's not just a, a change of pace back. He's not just a slightly faster Jeremy McNichols. No, he adds a completely different element to this offense. And with Todd Downing finally starting to get the hang of things, I'm really looking forward to what he can do with a healthy Darrington Evans. Now, maybe I'm a little bit more optimistic and maybe I'm giving him more the benefit of the doubt But Darrington Evans needs more opportunity as well in order to prove that he's capable of doing some shit. Because, as you guys might know, Derrick Henry gets a lot of carries. He even had 29 in this blowout against the Kansas City Chiefs. That's another topic, by the way, that we can talk about sometime. How often the Tennessee Titans use Derrick Henry, but not on this podcast today. So Darrington Evans... Needs more opportunity before we can label him a bust. He's a third round pick. Yeah, you want him to be a little bit more involved. But I'm not taking Derrick Henry off the field a lot because I want to see what Darrington Evans can do. Yeah, we got to get him on the field in in better situations. So to answer your question, Doug, and thank you for it, let's just wait and see. But he's not a bust yet. So thanks to everybody for sending in those questions and you can always send those questions in to the elite titans pod on twitter at elite titans pod and before i wrap up today i want to talk a little bit about the indianapolis colts now if you've listened to this podcast before you know i fucking hate the indianapolis colts most titans fans do hate the colts maybe that's the years of peyton manning or maybe it's the years of andrew luck maybe it's the countless countless times media has blow overblown how 
quote-unquote good the team is despite them being an absolute dumpster fire. Or maybe it's just the fact that I think their jerseys are really fucking ugly. I don't know. I just fucking hate them. And we play the Kansas or we play the Indianapolis Colts rather on Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium, and I cannot wait for this Sunday. The Colts, yes, they beat the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday night football. But it was an ugly game. And I'm not trying to take away a win from the Colts because a win is a win regardless of how you do it. But it wasn't your typical game. It wasn't fair conditions. Not fair as in they had an advantage, but fair as in clear. It wasn't clear conditions. It wasn't your standard drop back, throw the ball deep, and expect your receiver to catch it. It was drop back, throw up a duck, and pray for pass interferences. It wasn't a real football game. And yeah, the Colts came out on top, but you know what? Not putting any stock in it. Fuck the Colts. They are an inferior football team. And the Tennessee Titans are coming off two high-profile, electrifying wins over two teams that people believe are the top in the AFC. This is the opportunity for the Titans not only to distance themselves and essentially cement themselves as the AFC South champions, but to put to bed this bullshit-ass narrative that the Colts are a worthwhile team. Yes, they've been decimated by injuries, but so have the Titans. And you know what? The Titans are 5-2. The Titans are stuffing Josh Allen. The Titans are embarrassing Pat Mahomes. I don't need to hear any shit about the injuries that the Colts are going through. All year long, we talked about the Colts don't have a left tackle, and and now, oh, we're supposed to give a shit that their O-line is decimated? That's Chris Ballard's fault. The state of the Indianapolis Colts right now, being so injured and having terrible depth, is the fault of Chris Ballard. He's a shit GM, wildly overrated, and I will beat that drum every fucking day. Until somebody else realizes it. He sucks. And I have to give credit though. I have to give credit where credit is due. Carson Wentz is better than I thought. He's not great by any means. But if you were to list five things about what's wrong with the Colts, Carson Wentz probably shouldn't be on that list. So I guess credit Chris Ballard for potentially trading a first and a third round pick and spending a shit ton of money on Carson Wentz. But he's not good enough to beat the Tennessee Titans, I'll tell you that much. And when I think about this game coming up on Sunday, I want to say it's going to be a blowout. Because I think every game is going to be a blowout because I'm an elite Titans fan. But let's break it down. What's different between this matchup and last matchup? Well... The Tennessee Titans might be a little bit more banged up in the secondary. There will be no Christian Fulton to lock down Michael Pittman. We'll have to rely on Chris Jackson if he's healthy, on Jackrabbit Jenkins, on Kevin Byard, and Amani Hooker if he plays to shut down Michael Pittman, to pressure Carson Wentz this week. We have to rely on our front four who did a fantastic job over the last two weeks. What, what else is different? Jonathan Taylor is being used better. He's the second leading rusher in the NFL. 
But Frank Reich is still probably going to pull him out when he has 10 carries for 112 yards and he won't touch the ball again until the end of the fourth quarter. What else is different? Oh, Julian Blackman. Julian Blackman is out for the year. Their stud safety second-year player out for the year. So that just kind of opens up more deep balls for Ryan Tannehill, who is absolutely balling out over the last game and a half. So the advantage has to go to the Titans. And once again, the main question that you have to ask every single week, especially when playing the Colts, who the fuck is stopping Derrick Henry? DeForest Buckner, he did a great job last time. Derrick Henry owns the Colts. And I'm expecting more ownership to be shown on Sunday. Any given Sunday happens and divisional games are tough. But no, fuck the Colts. They're going to lose. I don't have a score prediction. I didn't write one down, but I'm going to think of one off the top of my head. Let's go 35-21. Because I don't think the Colts are good for shit. I think this game's going to be one-sided most of the game. Maybe the first drive, first two drives will be touchdown, touchdown, and then Titans just kind of dominate the rest of the way. Maybe we'll see some Logan Woodside by the end, like we did against the Kansas City Chiefs. But that's that's my prediction, 35-21. Fuck the Colts, fuck the Chiefs, fuck the Bills. And if or when the Tennessee Titans beat the Colts on Sunday, we move on to the LA Rams. And I just want to say, on the record, I told everybody we were going to beat the Bills, and we were going to beat the Chiefs, and that we're going to beat the Colts, and when we do, I'm going to tell everyone once again, we're going to beat the Rams. This Tennessee Titans team is going to the Super Bowl. That's going to do it for me this week. If you've listened this far, thank you so much. If you sent in a question, thank you as well, except for Joseph. Fuck you, Joseph. This has been the Elite Titans podcast. If you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at Canadian underscore Titan. You can follow the podcast at Elite Titans pod. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, as always, I'm not a homer. I'm just an Elite Titans fan. Tighten up and fuck the Colts.